hope that um, as we, we think about eternity and think about our life here, that just our mindset, it would be a heavenly mindset. That our mindset would just be, if I, would just, if I, if I could just live my life to please the Lord, and if I could just get to that, that time when I face my Savior, He can just say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And you know, all of the accomplishments of life wouldn't really matter anyway in comparison to those, that accolade that God gives us. And we're going to um, turn our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13. So if you turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13, I just want to uh, read for you First John uh, chapter 3, verse 18, though, where the Bible says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And uh, last month we focused on being authentic in word. Uh, we discussed how, how really... We ought not just to be hearers of the word, but doers of it. And so really the natural flow on of that is that if we're going to be authentic in word, then we're also going to be authentic in action. And here uh, the Bible is showing us in, in uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, where he's telling us don't just love in word. Uh, don't just, don't just uh, show that you love God in, in word, neither in tongue. Don't just say it. He's saying, but do it so in deed and in truth. So it's not just our words that God is after. He's really after our actions, our, the outflow of our beliefs. And, and so the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about some actions that are really should be an outflow of, a, of, a, of an authentic Christian life. And we're going to look at the first one here in Hebrews chapter 13. And, and um, probably something that, that personally I don't think I've ever preached on um, and maybe not even really heard much preaching about, but something that the Lord really convicted me about. And, and we're going to see that in, in Hebrews chapter 13. Look at verses 1 to 3, where the Bible says, Let brotherly love continue. And then he says, Don't be forgetful about something. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers. For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. But I want to focus on verse 2 there where there's a, there's a commandment not to be forgetful about something. It says, be not forgetful to entertain strangers. And what we're going to speak about is really the action of hospitality. The action of hospitality. And we're going to see some scripture here this morning and really somewhat a Bible study on what, what that is and the command of that. But, you know, as, you, as you've probably observed around, um, around our society, uh, that thought of hospitality is, is more and more being lost and more and more being out of the norm than what it was in yesteryear. You know, I remember uh, many times as a, as a younger a man, a young person going out with, with different men, in, even in, in this room, heading out, soul-winning, that, that it was often the case that, that once we, we started a conversation with someone, that they would, they would welcome us into their home. Whereas if, uh, if you've ever gone recently, um, it's very rare that you get to do that these days. Uh, I, a couple of weeks ago, Vicky and I went, uh, went soul winning one afternoon. We were just handing out tracks uh, out in a, 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 an area there in Kings Langley. And um, I was, as we were walking past... I was t trying to show her more and more that, that as you go out, there's going to be signages on, on letterboxes that are becoming more and more common. And it's this, no junk mail. 
And then um, my, my general uh, ethic with that is that, that I, I, won't, uh, I won't put uh, a tract in there if it says no junk mail. And I understand the gospel isn't junk, but, you know, people treat it that way when it's advertising. And so um, my, my goal then is if that's the case, then I would go to the door, knock, and personally, and personally hand that tract to a person. So Vicky and I were doing that, but what we then found was another layer of, of hindrance. Now people are putting signs up saying, no knocking on doors, no canvassing. And then there's, a, there's an additional, and you know, I was, I was, we were sort of um, talking to each other. I was telling her how, um, how really it's so different now. Before, you could hardly find that. No one had a sign that said no knocking on doors. And, and I would go, and, and so she started to count how many, and it was just shocking. The majority of the houses in that area anyway had those signages. Some people even go further than that, and they, they recite a, a bit of a, uh, an act in the, in the, um, about canvassing, but it just reminded me of the fact that we live in this day where that, that notion of hospitality, which we can term in a Christian country, was so part of the fabric of society, has, has really become out of the norm. No one wants to really deal with people they don't know. It reminds me of a story about a county agent who had to go to a series of farms uh, to consult property owners to determine boundary lines. And he was walking up this dirt road, and uh, one such property he encountered, the signs read, no trespassing, beware of dog, keep out, this means you. And then finally arriving at the door, he talked with, the, with a, a, a congenial cooperative landowner. And when the county agent was ready to leave, the man said to him, uh, come and see me again sometime. You know, I, I don't know why, but no one really visits me ever. But really, it's just, it, it's just a sign of the times we live in. Uh, really, as I walked around with Vicky and we were, we were counting how many had no junk mail, no knocking on doors, really it was a representative of, of what we are today, this modern day. And we no longer like to have any unexpected company. In fact, if that happens, it's very awkward and, and really just stay out. And you think about it, it extends to, uh, to, to how we do things these days, the advent of online bill payments. It used to be you had to go to the bank and actually face someone. It had to be that you had to actually go to the shopping center, go to that store and, and, and converse with uh, the store clerk about a certain size and things like that. Now... It's just a click of a finger, a click of a button, and then, and then it gets delivered to you. And, and, and in fact, you don't even say, have to say hello most of the time to the delivery guy. Just leaves it there. You have that option. And what that is, is there's this, there's this barrier that we have today that I think, I think really the Lord knew about and gives us a solution, and it's this, it's hospitality. And all of us here... Uh, all of this, this thing that we're, we're seeing in our day has caused or precluded the gospel from being paired with this powerful action that's really a love action. It's hospitality. And um, a couple of weeks ago, we were in, a, we were in, in one of uh, your houses, one of the, the families here had a, had a gathering together. And I was just really blessed as I observed in that gathering as we were sitting there. We're all familiar with each other, but they had invited their neighbors over. 
And I thought, boy, how different that is. I haven't seen that in a while. They actually invited their neighbor. Um, I, I remember our missionary, Jeremy, Brother Jeremy Pinero, uh, last year and, and um, preceding that, where there was disasters around that island of Ambai, where there was volcano activity and they had to, they had to uh, evacuate the island, how they used hospitality to be able to then uh, invite those and, and house those uh, strangers, those ones who were displaced, and they were able to then use that opportunity to, to support them and help them, but then more importantly, give the gospel out. And if you remember the reports, there were hundreds that were able to get saved. And in fact, if we ever get the opportunity in the next year or so, if we were to take a team there, he said, we'll definitely go to the island of Ambe. They're ready to, for a work to start there. But you know what, what, uh, what opened that door was an open door. It was hospitality. It was just them uh, understanding that they had an opportunity and in fact they had an obligation as we understand it in the Word of God to open up their doors. And we need to be people of hospitality. And, and someone said it this way, the gospel needs to come with a house key. The gospel has to come with an open door. And, and although the world by and large is shutting out all and sundry, we must as Christians open our doors for the gospel. And in fact, if you think about it, this was a practice of the early church. In Acts chapter 2, verse 46, the Bible tells us, And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread. And you know what the Bible says? From house to house. Did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. And so even from the, uh, from the vantage point of the early church, it was done. And God highlights really this great action in this passage of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 2, where he terms it this way, be not forgetful to entertain strangers. See, the concept here is that we would show love to strangers by extending to them, to them an open door. And really, this is the, the essence of the action of hospitality. And in fact, we are exhorted to do this as believers. Hospitality, really, to entertain strangers it is the act or practice of receiving and, and entertaining strangers or guests without reward or, or with kind and generous liberality. A, a stranger in, in a biblical sense is a foreigner, one that's unknown to you. Someone looking for temporary refuge, a, a, sojourner, a sojourner that's coming through. And if you think about it that way from, the, from, from that definition, there are many strangers we encounter each week and each day. And I'm, I'm talking to, this, to, to you about this as I, as I study this out through the Word of God. And I understand that this isn't me coming to, you, coming to you with all the answers about this, like I'm exercising this and practicing this uh, specifically in my life. I want to grow in this. But I also understand that in growing in this, there's going to be times where I'm confronted with my comfort, with my comfort zone. And I think that's where many times we don't want to be hospitable because it's out of our comfort zone. And what we're doing, what are we doing to, to entertain or to host those strangers? What are we doing as families perhaps to get to know the strangers next door? You know, we're, we're, we're many times just content to think them strange rather than treat them as strangers that we can be hospitable to. 
And, and, and we get to, what are we doing about those families that live next door? Or, or, or what are we doing to strangers that maybe come into the church that are new families that we don't know well? Uh, what are we doing with, uh, with them? And, and strangers, in our sense, uh, can come in the form of new families in our neighborhoods. New families or persons that, that visit the church, new workmates or schoolmates, uh, people we commute with, uh, tourists that come by and need help, those who, who are, are just displaced. And, and what I'm saying is that the, the message today is simple. Does your gospel come with a house key? Are we opening our homes and ourselves to strangers as a means of communicating Jesus Christ? And listen, we're going to see what the Bible has to say about hospitality and what our motivation ought to be. And notice there in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2 again, it says, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. And firstly, I want to bring out that hospitality really is patterned. It's patterned throughout Scripture. And here is referring to a story, referring really to Lot in Genesis chapter 19, where he was there in a, in a wicked city. And unaware to him, these, these two men come in who were angels of God, who warned them. But he entertains them, he, he, uh, he, he welcomes them in. And we see that pattern in, in, in Scripture. We, we firstly see it pattern in the law. In fact, even in, as God wanted to form a society based on His Word, we see in the nation of Israel, given in the law in Leviticus 19, verses 33 to 34, and if a stranger sojourn with thee in your land, ye shall not vex him. Saying, you're not going to be a burden to him, but the stranger that dwelleth with you shall be unto you as one born among you. So welcome them in, even as, as family as one of yours, and thou shalt love him as thyself. And here's the motivation, he says, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And so he's reminding them that, that he's the Lord, he's the Lord that, that, that brought them out and, and were able to, as, as strangers in that land of Egypt, uh, bring them to a place of, of, of uh, a belonging. We're going to refer late, later on to that place of Goshen. But he's saying there, you were once strangers in the land of Egypt. Now, therefore, as I've preserved you through my hospitality, do so to others as well. It's also a characteristic of the God-fearing. And in Job 31.21, and we won't take the time, but, but in that, um, it speaks about him, uh, him in the context of the righteousness that he had before God. How he, he entertained those who were sojourners. Who, he showed hospitality to them. And, and what I'm saying is as far as back as you want to go into the history of God's people, Job being an early book, one of the God-appointed duties of the righteous was this. It was hospitality. And simply it means this, a willingness to welcome people into your home, to your apartment, to your dwelling, who don't ordinarily belong there. But then it's re-emphasized in the New Testament. And, and we'll turn to Romans chapter 12 later, but I'll refer to it here in Romans 12, 13. The Bible tells us, distributing to the necessity of saints given, given to hospitality. That, that, that's, not just, uh, that's not just given a command and, uh, to, to office bearers. We'll see that in a bit. But, but it's given to hospitality. That's a command to the church in general. So the command is that hospitality, not just to be a, a once a year thing, maybe at Christmas, and, 
but a constant attitude and practice. It means our homes, our dwellings, our apartments should stand constantly ready for perhaps strategic hospitality. A readiness to welcome and entertain people who don't ordinarily live there. Okay, and, and then it's really, it's, it's seen and patterned through the Christian experience. Again, we were strangers. We were strangers once. And God made a, a, a welcome to us. He opened His doors for us to belong to His family. And so again, hospitality we see is, is patterned throughout Scripture. But then secondly, we see that again, as I referred to earlier, hospitality is a marker of the office bearers. And, and you look at 1 Timothy chapter 3. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 3. So those who hold office like myself, the deacons, it's required of them as part of their characteristic. And notice there in, in chapter 3, verse 2, it says, A bishop or a pastor then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober of good behavior. And then notice it's given to hospitality, apt to teach. And, and I'll just be honest with you, as I read through that, I was just reminded and convicted by the Lord about my own hospitality. How that's a part of my calling, part of my character, part of my, my makeup as a, as a pastor, but, but really as a Christian. But it, it's a marker of, of, a, of office bearers. And you know, sometimes we look at all of these, uh, these characteristics of a bishop, later on really given to the deacons as well. And, and we look at that and we go, you know, we, we sort of weigh up some of those characteristics above the other. We say, yeah, we understand, we agree, they, they need to be blameless. Uh, they, they need to be vigilant, sober. Uh, they, they, in verse 3, not given to one, no striker, all of that. We look at all of that and we go, those are important. But then sometimes when it comes to hospitality, we can give each, each of us a pass. Like, like that's not as important as the other. Uh, we won't take the time, but in Titus 1.8 it says similarly. But it's incumbent on pastors and deacons to lead and be characterized in this action of hospitality. And it's an understanding that we are to be exercising this as part of who we are and it's to be evident in our lives. It's, it's part of our service to the body and those without the body that we love to entertain strangers. There's, there's not this idea of restrictiveness like it's just duty-bound. No, no, you're given to it, the Bible says. It's part of who you are. And, and um, I, I think we live in a time when we, when we consider these commands and these, these patterns throughout Scripture where we, we are buying into the fear-mongering of our time. And we understand that, that we, we help our children to be safe by telling them, look, stranger danger, all right? We're not speaking about that, but we as, as families and we as the household of God, are we exercising that? Are we seeing that as a, as a pattern in Scripture that, that God is, is, is commanding us to action? And, and really, hospitality is really an action of the household of faith. And if you're, if you're a Christian here this morning, if, if you're part of the household of faith, then you are a household that needs to be given. We are a household that needs to be given over to hospitality. Look at Romans chapter 12. Look at Romans chapter 12. And again, look at verse 13. 
says, distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. Now, if you consider the whole context of this chapter, look at verses 1 and 4. You know, we often quote verses 1 and 2. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So, so you see, he's exhorting us. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren. He's talking about surrender here, right? Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So he's speaking about how we're, we're, we, ought to be, uh, we ought to be different to the world. That we ought not to conform to the, world's, uh, to the world's shape and mold. That we ought to be different. That we ought to be as Christians surrendered and then surrendered to the will of God. Seeking after the perfect will of God. And he says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. And then he's going to begin to speak about spiritual gifts. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. So he's now speaking about those things that, that as we're surrendered to God and as we surrender to His will for our lives, that, that those things that we ought to be exercising in our lives. And he starts off the, with the grace given to us, those things of faith, those spiritual gifts that each and every one of us as Christians possesses that God has gifted us with. And in that same thought, he goes around and he can, continues and he gives instructions, specific actions. And as part of that, as we read in verse 13, given to hospitality. So what's the context? Okay, the, the context of that command is to those who are of the household of faith, but specifically to the household of faith who are surrendered, who are living lives that aren't conformed to this world. So those who are faithful, those who, those who seek after Christ, those who seek to do the will of God, as part of that package, the command is this, you're given to hospitality. You're, you're, you're going to... You're going to bring yourself to, to minister to those, he says in the same sentence there, distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. So in the first place, given to hospitality to those, to those others who are also of the household of faith, to other saints. Um, and, and, and really, you think about it in the historical context of this, he's referring to the, uh, to the, the, the early church and in that day, Christians were being displaced because of persecution. And Christians were being scattered around. And really the command here to the Roman church was those who have need. Those who have been displaced. Those who perhaps you don't even know are strangers among you. But their fellow saints, give them hospitality. Receive them. Help them. Christians were being displaced and needed other Christians really to come to their aid. And look at this again. Look at First Peter chapter four. Look at First Peter chapter four. And notice verses verses nine and ten. He says in verse eight, and above all things, have fervent charity, again love, among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Then he continues, he says, use hospitality one to another. Then he says, without grudging. 
Then he says, as every man hath received the gift. And, and, you know, God has all gifted us with something. He's given us blessings. And he says, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So he's saying, as you've received, then dish it out too. Give it as well. But in the, that context, he says this, do it, uh, use hospitality one with another without grudging. And so the context, again, if you consider the whole chapter in chapter 4 in verse 1, it says, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. So having this mind of Christ, for he hath suffered in the flesh, hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. There it is again. These things that he's about to expound on, this is part of the will of God for us as believers, as those who have been partakers of the divine nature, as those who've been transformed and translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. He's saying this, use hospitality and do it without grudging, without complaint, without murmur. And it's, it, again, the context is the changed life, the, the following of the will of God. And, and the command there is given us not grudgingly, without grudging. That is, it ought to be commonly known about us. It's without enforcement, but rather as a matter of choice, we choose. We choose to be given to hospitality. Without grudging. You know, that means be the kind of people who do it and like to do it. In other words, the command to be hospitable is not just a command to do something. It is not just a command that can be legalistically fulfilled with a quota of guests. Well, I've done my bit this week. No, it's a command to be a certain kind of person. It's not enforced. It's namely the kind that doesn't reserve, that doesn't resent having to be hospitable, the kind of person who doesn't look at the extra dishes and the bedding and the bother and grumble and complain about it. No, it's part of us. It's part of our service to the body. It's without grudging. It's, 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 a, it's an action of the household of faith. It's an action of those who are faithful, who, who want to be surrendered to the will of God, who want to be, have a, who wants to be in the surrendered life, who wants to uh, be practicing the changed life. And, and what it is, is this, let your hospitality be an extension or an overflow of God's hospitality to you. Be a good steward of God's grace. And really, we need to be a place where, God, where Christ's love is being modeled. You know, love is demonstrated really through sacrificial action. We think about the Lord Jesus Christ who willingly laid down His life for us. Why? Because He loved us. His love drove Him to sacrifice. And there's a cost in sacrifice, isn't there? You know, there's a cost. And many times, we look at our lives and really, we're just comfortable to be comfortable. We're comfortable to have our own and to provide for our own. And yet, you know, the Lord Jesus wasn't like that. He, he opened out His arms to all. And He welcomed all. He made a way for all. And, and you know, all of us here, we all have a, a different level of grace and, and, and ability to do so. But it doesn't excuse us whatever level that we don't do it. It's actually, a, a, it's an action that is a, a, an overflow 
of our Christianity. There's a cost. And love to Christ is demonstrated through our sacrificial action towards others. Look at Matthew chapter 25. And I think we've referred to this, uh, this chapter uh, over and again, and even our, our, our guest uh, preacher, Brother Skelly, a couple of weeks ago, uh, touched on this. But love to Christ is demonstrated through our sacrificial actions about counting the cost toward others. And notice Matthew 25, look at verses 34 to 40. He says, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. He says in verse 35, For I was unhungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked and ye clothed me, I was sick and ye visited me, I was in prison and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and, and, and fed thee, or, or thirsty and gave thee drink? He says, when did we ever see that in you? When, when, when saw we thee a stranger? When did we see you as a stranger and took you in, or naked and clothed you? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and come unto thee? And the king. Notice the response, shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. And so he's saying, you know, to, to those who are strangers amongst you, those who are needy, those, those that, will, uh, that, that need a place, to, uh, need an open door to be able to, to see, the, uh, to, to be able to, uh, for, for their need to be met, he's saying, as you've done it to them, you've done it to me. As you've shown love to them, as you've shown hospitality to them, then you've done so to me. And hospitality is something that we ought to perform one to another. You know, I love it when Christians who've never met, they show love and care and then quickly realize that they're not really strangers, but they're just family that have yet to meet. You ever experienced that? You ever travel somewhere else and then... And as, as a good Christian, you went to look for a church. You went to look for a church to attend on the Sunday. And you went in there and you just felt at home because you had the fellowship of Christ. And they just loved on you and they just welcomed you there. And you know what they were showing? They were just showing Christian hospitality. It was an overflow of, of, their, of their surrendered life, of, the, of being as part of the household of faith. And I love it when Christians do that and I love it when we go to places and we get that opportunity. And it's really uh, strangers at first, but family that have, we have yet to meet. But it does come at a cost, doesn't it? It comes at a cost to be hospitable. It will mean that we recognize that our resources really are not our own. It, it means that, that, uh, that God, through His generosity, has given us what we need to do His work and, and to be a blessing to others and and that's the surrender of a life of which this action of hospitality stems. And I think about the, the illustration of, the, of Joseph as, he was, uh, as he, he was given over to slavery into Egypt. And there in Egypt, God was with him. Over and over again, the Bible says God was with Joseph. And, God, and Joseph was really a, a great picture of many things, but Joseph was a great picture of the surrendered life. God was with him. And at the end of his, his journey as he went through and, and he rose in the ranks as God had, had ordained and designed about Joseph, he rose to the second 
the second in command in the kingdom, really to save the, those people from that great famine. We understand that, that Joseph, when he recognized that, and as he was confronted then with his brethren, who really were the ones that caused that great, that, that great trial and trouble in Joseph's life. Remember what Joseph said to them? You, you meant it evil, but God meant it for good. And, and later on, he gives, God gives him them a place. He welcomes his family back into that land of Goshen. And that, Go, that place of Goshen was a place of provision. It was a place of, of protection. was a place of a plenty. And, and Joseph was able to do that. And when Joseph said that you meant it for evil and God meant it for good, Joseph wasn't just talking about good for himself. You see, often when we think about the goodness of God, we're just thinking about the goodness of God to us. How God has been good to us. How God has provided for us. But really in His provision to us, it's a means to provide for others. It's a means to provide uh, that generosity that God gave for others who are in need. And specifically there, the household of faith. You know, I just believe that as we consider where we're headed as a, as a nation, where the world is headed, that in times to come, there will be a need for even us to be able to meet the needs of those who've been displaced because of persecution. And it'll astound you if you were to really look at the, the number of Christians who are being displaced in the world today because of persecution. And I wonder if we would be ready, we would strategically be hospitable that way to show the household of faith the same generosity that our Lord Jesus gave us, the same hospitality that we see patterned for us in Scripture. And God's blessing to us is our blessing for others. But you know, many times, in reference to strangers, there are those who are lost and in need of Christ. Many times, those lost don't necessarily have a friendly view of Christianity. You know, not, not many people do these days. You start to speak to them about religion, and, and you know, as Aussies, there's two things we don't talk about, right? Politics and religion. And, and you know, there's going to be those who are probably going to have a very unfriendly and in fact very negative view of our faith. But you know, they're not going to have a negative view of your pasta dish. <laughs> They're not going to have a negative view of you opening up your home to get to know them, to treat them as people, to, to, to be friendly to them. See, the Bible tells us a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. But there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And, and all of these allusions in the Word of God that, that point to us loving people really speaking about the need to build a gospel bridge into their lives. And one of those ways you can do that is through hospitality. You know, I wonder, and I was challenging, I was recounting and recollecting in my own mind how many opportunities my wife and I and our family had to invite a neighbor over. But how many times we either moved or they moved and we never really did anything about it. And maybe that was the only opportunity as, as God opened our homes and our hearts to be able to, to share and maybe at times slowly the gospel. And, and sometimes they won't necessarily have a friendly view of Christianity. But hospitality is a means of which we can show the love of Christ. 
What is it? It's a visible demonstration of authentic Christianity. And, and maybe there's a great misnomer about what Christianity is. They might think, well, you know, like this morning we were walking around and uh, here in the, I was walking around in this, um, in this auditorium with, with our small groups, with our men talking about, you know, what's the perception of the neighborhood. And, and you know, so, uh, someone said, you know, I was speaking to someone and they just said that Southland Baptist Church, that's a cult. <laughs> that's a weird people. But you know, when you welcome them into your home, you can show them genuine love. And you can show them genuine Christianity. Maybe, maybe as, you, as you welcome them in, you pray for your food and they've never seen that before. And it's not as weird as they thought. Oh, they ate the same food? Oh, really? Oh, man, they, they have the same appetite as me. <laughs> oh, they, man, they... And, and they, they see a, a mother and father, who, a husband and wife who love each other, unlike so much of the world. They, they, see, they see children who are obedient, who, who love mom and dad, have healthy relationships. But can I, tell, can I ask, who in the world doesn't want that? But we're supposed to be modeling that as Christians. You know how we can show the world that? Hospitality. If we would just open, if we just include with our gospel, a house key. And, and you know, I, I'm not talking about just, you know, your, 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 ne- your regular network of friends every month. Oh, there, I've shown hospitality. No, God's saying, entertain strangers. When was the last time you invited a neighbor over? And I know you're thinking, but it's not done these days, Pastor. I know, but the Bible told us to. Are we a product of the Holy Spirit or a product of the culture? You know, are we going to buck social trends in order to be obedient to, to that surrendered life that we see in the Bible, those actions? I wonder how many opportunities we have. And, and you're, you're thinking, but Pastor, it's going to cost. Yeah, I know. It is going to cost. It's going to cost maybe an extra meal that week. But, but are, we, are we stewards of the manifold grace of God in our lives? Are we using that to bless others? And you never know what difference you can make with a simple act of hospitality. You never know what impact over time as you, you welcome your, your neighborhood in, welcome those workmates in, and welcome those with open arms. It's really, it's a visible demonstration of authentic Christianity. Didn't the Bible tell us, tell us in John 13, 35, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, you have love one to another. And you know, wouldn't it be a great thing to, to perhaps have your, those neighbors that you have, those that in, in, in this, this place where you live nearby and you just gather and then you invite a neighbor or two. Wouldn't it be great for them to sit there and, and listen to your conversations as you edify one another, as you build each other up, as you enjoy each other's company, as you show love. What a convicting demonstration of a changed life to a lost person who's craving love, who's craving care, who's craving attention, who's craving just, just something decent in this wicked world that we live in. And all because you cooked the meal and you opened up your household. And, and you know, as we think about that, we recognize that, that, again, they may not agree with your theology, but they won't disagree with your home-cooked meal and genuine interest in them. 
See, hospitality demonstrates care so that we can share our concern. Genuine care for the person really is this, is the key. You know, this isn't just a legalistic like a pastor told me, I've got I to have people over. Now listen, we ought to be, it ought to be an outflow as we recognize God's working in our lives. And they, they may disagree with your theology, they, but they won't disagree with your home-cooked meal and genuine interest in them. And, and genuine care for the person is key. And then ge- genuine urgency to share the gospel is the motive. Look at Luke chapter 14. And second last scripture, we'll turn to Luke 14. Look at Luke 14. <clears throat> and uh, look at verse 12. If you're there, say amen. Half of you, I'll still wait. Luke 14. Look at verse 12. Then said he also that bade him, When thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends nor thy brethren, neither their kinsmen nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again and a recompense be made thee. He says, but when thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind. And thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt recompense at the resurrection of the just. And when one of them that sat at meat with them with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And so he, he then speaks about this, a certain man made a great supper and bade many. So he's going to go into this story, he's going to teach something. And sent his servant at supper time to say, to come to them that were bidden, come, for all things are now ready. So there's a meal, there's a great supper, he's going to remind those he had invited, and they all with one consent began to make excuse. So they couldn't come, the, the first said unto him, I bought a piece of ground, I must need see it, and I pray thee have me excused. Another gave another excuse and another excuse. And then and another said, uh, sorry, in verse 21, so that servant came and showed his Lord these things. He said, no one's coming. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed, the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel. Compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. And there's a lot of lessons we can draw from that, a lot of, a lot of uh, doctrinal things that we can dig up. But, but the practical thing was this. He said, Go compel them so that they can come into my house. And there's this urgency. He said, compel them. And God showed here no respect of persons, just a genuine desire really to entertain these strangers whom He found in the highways and byways. And he said, compel them to come in. And, and listen, we, we don't even have to go into the highways and byways. We're, we're stuck in the highways and byways. We're, we're commuting every day. We're, we're in a populace, we're around people all the time who are strangers and yet we can, we can introduce ourselves, open our homes and thereby have an opportunity perhaps to open up a conversation about introducing them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that who we want to introduce everyone to? 
Isn't that, isn't that, isn't he the one that's going to answer all of their, their ills and needs? And we need to compel them. There's an urgency to share the gospel. That's the motive. And, and the Bible tells us in 3 John 1 5, Beloved, thou hast faithfully, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers. And I, I wonder if we would do faithfully as the household of faith. I wonder if we would do faithfully in this area. And, and really the motive for hospitality is this. Let's not forget. You know, you might be thinking, well, Pastor, that, that sounds great, but really, what's the big deal? How does it relate to God? How does this, how does this speak of God? Well, let's not forget we were strangers once. All of us were strangers once. Yet God took us and he gave us a family to belong to he invited us to come sup with him you know what he was doing you know what he did for us in salvation he showed us hospitality look at look at ephesians chapter 2 last last scripture we'll turn to ephesians chapter 2 <coughs> ephesians 2 look at verse 11 Notice this, wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That at time you were without Christ. It says being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world but now in Christ Jesus Ye who were sometime afar off are made nigh near by the blood of Christ. Listen, church. None of us, none of us, none of us deserved. None of us deserved a, a welcome and an open door from the Lord Jesus Christ. But listen, when we were afar off, and in fact, beyond strangers, we were aliens. We were truly foreigners to, to God's uh, God's. Uh, God's, uh, God's working, and yet He made a way through Jesus Christ. And you know what He did? He opened up the door to heaven, and through His sacrifice, through His cost, not ours, His cost, He showed us hospitality. He showed us the grace of God. Where once we were strangers to God, where once we were afar off, now we're made nigh, we're made near by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, if you're here this morning and you're not saved, then, then you are. You're, you're an alien to Christ. You're, 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 in fact, the Bible goes further and He tells us we were at enmity with Him. We were considered an enemy, not even just a, someone He did not know, not even just a stranger. We were an enemy to Christ because of our sin. And yet, because of His love and His mercy and His grace, He made a way when He laid down His life on the cross. And today, He's showing you your... He's showing you His hospitality and He's saying, come in through me. And listen, that's, that was us. And how dare we then, as we consider the opportunities and the privilege uh, we have to live in this day, to, to welcome those perhaps who are our neighbors, perhaps those who are new in our church, perhaps those who uh, have no family uh, even in this place and they're looking for a place of belonging. They're just looking for someone to reach out. How can we be unlike Christ? And, not, and, and just neglect this thing of hospitality. 
You know, if, 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 that doesn't, if that doesn't stir your heart to be more hospitable, then you've forgotten what kind of salvation God has given you. And our motive, the ultimate, the reason we ought to practice hospitality is not simply because it's a good way. That's a good thing. The reason we practice hospitality is because we were the recipients, firstly, of God's hospitality. The ultimate act of hospitality was when Jesus Christ died for sinners to make everyone who believes a member of the household of God. We are no longer strangers and sojourners. We've come home to God. And everybody who trusts in Jesus finds a home in God. And we have His hospitality. He he did it for the praise and glory of His grace. It was the same reason that He rescued unworthy strangers in Egypt. It was for His own glory. And this was the grace that's given us. See, Hebrews, as we read, says don't neglect it. And you know, evidently, it's something that can easily fall into neglect. See, the physical force of gravity, it pulls everything to the center of the earth. In order to break free from earth-centered life, thousands and thousands of pounds of energy have to push the space shuttle away from the center. And there's also a, a, a psychological force of gravity that constantly pulls our thoughts and our actions and our physical actions inward toward the center of our own selves, of our own homes. Therefore, the most natural thing in the world is this, is to neglect hospitality. You know why? It's the path of least resistance. All we have to do is yield to the natural gravity of our self-centered lives. And the result will be a life so full of self that there's no room. There's no room for hospitality. We will forget about it. We'll neglect it. And so the Bible bluntly says, don't neglect it. Build a launching pad. Fill up your boosters and blast out of your self-oriented routine and stop neglecting hospitality. We need to practice hospitality. And I wonder if, if we would just take that opportunity this week. I wonder if we'd look at our neighbors with fresh eyes and see them the way Christ saw us as strangers in need of a home and need a place to belong. And may it be that as a result of that, as we enact this action of love, of hospitality, that we might see some, we might see those that are around us come to the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to pray and ask the Lord to, to just bless as we, as we close. Thank you, Father, again, Lord, for your grace and mercy. And Father, I I know it's a simple thought this morning. Lord, all of us here have that opportunity to some degree or the other. Some more, some less. But all of us here can't be, you've commanded us not to neglect, to, to remember to entertain strangers, those who are in need of hospitality. With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. I wonder if today you would just Allow the Spirit of God to just work in your heart. And maybe firstly, as I speak to those who are here without Christ, as the piano can begin to play, we're just going to ask you a couple of questions. I wonder if you're here this morning. And I were to ask you this, if you were to die today, would you know for sure that your sins are forgiven 
Was there a time where you called upon the Lord Jesus Christ to save you? And as a result, you know for sure that you are on your way to heaven, that you belong to Him. I wonder if there's anyone here who says, Pastor, I'm not sure. I don't think I've ever had a time where I've called on Christ to save me. and I need to know. I, I See, the Bible tells us for the wages of sin is death. See, there, there's a great cost at not accepting the invitation of Christ. The Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I wonder if you're here this morning and just say, Pastor, I'm not sure. Please pray for me. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I were to die today, would I go to heaven? Is there anyone this morning, whether you're a guest, uh, whether you're a regular attendee, is there anyone this morning? Pastor, I'm not sure. Just pray for me. I'm not sure if I'm going to heaven. Is there anyone this morning? Then church, I wonder if we would just be transparent before the Lord right now. I wonder as we consider the surrendered life and as we consider the kind of actions that flow out of that, I wonder if we're included in that, this thing of hospitality. It's a simple thing. It's not, not really profound. It's profound in its motivation. It's profound in the fact that it's because we are the recipients of the hospitality of God. But the action isn't profound really. Could be a simple meal. Could be a simple invitation into our home. I wonder if that's that's you this morning. Just say, Pastor, just pray for me. I want to grow in that. I want to be. I, I want to admit, just like you, that I want to grow in that. Just anyone with an uplifted hand, just this morning. I see those hands there. I see those hands. Thank you. Anyone else this morning, Pastor? I want to show hospitality. Pastor, this week I want to I want to pray that God would give me an opportunity to do so. Anyone like that? Anyone like that? I see those hands. Thank you. I wonder if we'd be hospitable. I wonder if we practice that. I wonder if we continue in that. Let's all stand to our feet. Let's all stand to our feet. And we're going to sing this song together. Uh, let's sing the first and the last. And I pray that the Lord will, will help us um, as we head into the week. Let's sing first and the last. What's, what number?